Hey, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Breaking Down the Doors, where we speak all things Vanderbilt athletics, specifically Vanderbilt football this week. I'm solo today, and I'm Adam Sparks, Vanderbilt beat reporter with the Tennessean. Usually have a guest with me or a co-host. If you've never been in a newsroom before, you may not know this, but there are a lot of moving parts, and sometimes those parts are out of town or elsewhere on other assignments. So I'm going to do this uh, solo today. I've done that a couple times. We're going to do it again today. i got three quick topics, and I think these are good topics. I think these are pretty timely for where we are in the season. Vanderbilt is 1-3. and three. They're going to Ole Miss this week, 6.30 p.m. on SEC Network. I will be there in Oxford. You can keep up with my coverage on Tennessee.com. Here's the three topics I want to talk about today. Why is the sum of Vandy's parts greater than the whole? Why is there anxiety on this team? And that speaks to the maybe some of the friction with Jared Pinckney the other day um, in the Northern Illinois game. And number three topic, why is Vegas convinced that Derek Mason is meeting expectations, meeting expectations each week? Vegas thinks so. Maybe you don't. We'll talk about that in a minute. So topic number one, some of the parts, uh, you know, it's supposed to be the other way around. You're supposed to be, the whole is supposed to be greater than some of the parts. I, I think right now Vanderbilt is the opposite, and I think that's a problem. You know, let's think about this if we back up some of the topics, some of the storylines that have come out in the first four games of the season. Secondary has not matched the pass rush. Now, it did this past week against Northern Illinois. It didn't in the first three games. You know, sometimes we talked about before in zero coverage, Vandy would be rushing a lot of defenders, but its DBs would be backing off as if it was kind of a soft zone coverage. Uh, those parts didn't match up. If you look at the past couple weeks, Elijah McAllister has been a good defender for Vandy, redshirt freshman outside linebacker, had a couple sacks this past week, had a defensive touchdown the week before. He's been highlighted as a guy that's kind of coming on strong, and some of the other younger guys have, but it's been sporadic. It's been inconsistent. You know, this week in the uh, press conference, uh, Tuesday's press conference, Derek Mason talked a lot about there being young players that are pushing the older players for playing time, and uh, you may see younger players play more and more. Sometimes the coaches like to spin that in certain ways, and I think right now Vandy's trying to spin that as a positive, that their younger players are getting so much better. I think maybe it's a little bit of cause for concern because you have inconsistent older players. You have players that don't show up week to week. Um, I think that's a problem. And, and, And again, I think that's why you see spots of talent, flashes of talent on this team, specifically on defense right now, but you don't see it consistently. They've got parts, they don't have the whole, and the whole is not working together. Those parts are not working together too too well right now. On offense right now, you know, you have the big three, Keyshawn Vaughn, Kalaja Lipscomb, Jared Pinckney. Those are all proven commodities. Those are proven skill players. All three of them are all SEC players, but they're not being fully utilized. Uh, Lipscomb, to some extent, is. His catches are a little behind what they were last year, but he's had touchdowns in the last couple games. Keyshawn Vaughn is getting carries, being productive, back-to-back 100-yard games, but he, he still is a little shy on carries, and the offense is, has been pretty inconsistent. Jared Pinckney was really not part of the offense at all the other day. Targeted twice, only one catch for one yard. You know, the, the offensive line has been sporadic. You know, you've got a couple of linemen that will play well one game, but then you've got inconsistencies up front. You've got the pass protection has not been very good. 
You know, Devin Cochran was back this last game. He's a potential NFL draft pick on down the line, but, you know, you didn't have him for the first three games. You've got new starters on the offensive line. You've got a right tackle that was playing defensive line last year, a guy that has, again, shown flashes, but uh, not a guy that, that that's played well all four games. You've got a new offensive coordinator. You've got a new starting quarterback. And I think, again, that points to bright spots on this offense, but not a whole unit, not a consistent unit. You know, you saw the other day in the Northern Illinois game where Vandy comes out, gets up 14 to nothing, and then uh, almost just shuts down the offense. They couldn't get, really could barely cross the 50-yard line much after that um, until late in the game when they hit a flea flicker and had one good drive. But this is just an offense that just, it has parts, but it doesn't have a consistent rhythm to it. And again, I, th- I think that's concerning. We, we can talk about how um, how much the opponents have had to do with that. Two top five teams they played in the first three games. Purdue was also a good offense. But there's there's just something about the consistency, the rhythm of this team that's not quite there. And, uh, and, I, and I think there's some urgency behind that. And it really goes a lot back to the quarterback. And, and, and that's what I want to talk about, maybe the source or the the symbol of the anxiety on this team that bubbled up a little bit in the Northern Illinois game. Riley Neal is the new starting quarterback. And and to kind of set this up, let's hear what Derek Basin had to say about Riley Neal's play um, in the press conference this week. I mean, some incremental uh, you know, progress. Um, and he's got he's to continue to work to get us you know, into the right, uh, the, the right calls. He's got to make the plays when they're there to be made. You know, uh, I, I, I'm... I'm on Riley because I know he's got more. I mean, and that's one thing that these guys understand about me. I'm never going to ask anything of you that I don't think you have in you. And with Riley, uh, you know, the throw to Pinkney where 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 it went out the back of the end zone. Hey, man, that's got to hit the target. That, that's what we do. This is the SEC. So, you know, he's just got to continue to uh, work on his footwork, the consistency of being able to deliver the ball accurately, even though he was 21 or 28. You know, I mean, there's opportunities for more. So let's get it. This football team needs it. When, when when he needs to make plays, we need him to make plays. And believe me, I got all the faith and confidence in the world that that, that can happen. But there's got to be work outside the arena to make sure that the work on Saturday looks the way he wants it to look and the way we need it to look. So a couple things in there that Derek Mason said. Incremental progress. And we've heard that the last few weeks. And, and to my untrained eye, I would I would tend to agree with Derek Mason. I, I think the there's been progress from the Georgia game where Riley Neal would not throw the ball downfield at all to the Purdue game to some extent where he threw for almost 400 yards to LSU when I think he recognized coverages and was more in rhythm, hit receivers uh, in stride better to this game when again his numbers were were pretty good. I think there's been incremental progress. Uh, another thing that Derek Mason said there though is. He said, I'm on Riley Neal because I know he's got more. Let me let me read between the lines a little bit there. I'm on Riley Neal because I've got to have more. I'm on Riley Neal because we've got him for one year and we've got to get something out of him right now. You know, the, the thing with Riley Neal is that this is a one-year deal. I think that's the source of the anxiety. Somewhat on the team, certainly on offense, though. You know, Jared Pinkney had some things on the sideline the other day in the Northern Illinois game where he, 
you know, he was he was obviously frustrated by a few things. I'm not going to make assumptions of everything that he was frustrated by. It may have been, you know, he thought he was held on a play or it may have been something else. But it was pretty clear of what we know that he was upset by his lack of touches, lack of targets. And Derek Mason even acknowledged that after the game, that he had to say something to Pinckney about that um, at halftime. Haven't heard from Jared Pinckney since then. Uh, I will say Pinckney to to my experience of covering him for the past three and a half years, he is an emotional guy, but his emotion is always about self-criticism. The only critiques that I've ever heard from Jared Pinckney is, we lost that game because of me. We didn't finish that drive because of me. I have to catch that ball. I have to make that play. So any thoughts that Jared Pinckney was being selfish at all, I I think you need to cast those aside, at least in my experience. It's usually the opposite with him. I do think there's some anxiety there, maybe a little bit of friction. I I think it's – I have no problem with it because I think it's healthy. Riley Neal was plugged in to be the bridge between Kyle Shermer and the next starting quarterback, and he's put in a position where he's got an all-SEC running back behind him, an all-conference receiver beside him, and an all-SEC tight end beside him, and he is told, you have to utilize these guys now. And he's getting somewhat of a rhythm with some of his wide receivers, but not as much with Pinckney. And that's that's where the anxiety is. And again, I think it's healthy. Derek Mason is pressing a little bit because he knows he only has Riley Neal this one year, and he only has these three all-SEC skill guys for one year, and he's got to make those parts fit together. Uh, and they're not quite fitting together right now. And, you know, Riley Neal is better from game one to two, two to three, three to four. You can tell in the language that Derek Mason is using right now that he needs an enormous leap forward at a Riley Neal. If Riley Neal was a sophomore, and this is his first time starting, you'd say, okay, he's going to grow into this. Junior year, senior year, that's not what they have. They have a quarterback that has to be really good right now. He has to utilize his weapons right now because there is no year two at Vanderbilt for Riley Neal. So I, I think he's doing as much as he can to this point, but that's why you're hearing some of this pressure put on Neal. It's not criticism that he's not getting the job done. It's a realization that the clock is ticking on the season, and they've got to get something out of him. So I think I think some of the what Pinckney did the other day and some of his reaction, his frustration, I, th- I think it was fine. I think it was healthy. I would rather see that than a guy kind of drop his shoulders and say, well, I guess we're just not going to get it done. I think Pinckney knows he can do more with the ball, and, and, and he needs the ball. I will say I do believe it's harder to adjust to a tight end than it is a wide receiver. Kalijah Lipscomb and those other wideouts can run a little bit more in open field. Get open, you can hit those guys in, in a in a normal route. And there's a lot more there's a there's a lot more of a route tree for a wide receiver than there is a tight end. A tight end is not going to have as much separation. A tight end, there's got to be trust there, trust in that specific player, not just the route, not just the offense. Kyle Shermer had that with Pinckney because he played with him for three years. You know, when you're seeing Jared Pinckney get up field. And that's where Neil is having trouble being able to to read read coverages well on down the field, 15, 20 yards down the field. You've got to trust that even though there's a defender near him, if you put the ball where it needs to be, that Pinckney uh, will go up and get that ball. That he's a big enough target that he, he can be somewhat covered and, and he'll still come down with the ball. You don't need as much trust if you've got a wide receiver that's that's running a short route, can get the ball and go. 
Uh, I think there's got to be more trust with with a lot of the seam routes, a lot of the stuff that Pinkney's doing, where it's got to be timing, and you've just got to trust that he's gonna he's gonna catch the ball. That trust is not there because they haven't played together. But you know, Riley Neal's gonna have to take some chances, and when Pinkney's open, as Derek Mason alluded to there in the end zone, he was open the other day. You got to hit him, and uh, and Neal didn't do that. I, I can already feel some of the listeners now saying, "Well, what about Deuce Wallace? Uh, what about the redshirt junior that's that's the backup and was in a competition with Riley Neal in the preseason?" To that, I'll just say this: What makes anybody think that Deuce Wallace is the answer? I'm not saying that he is. Uh, I haven't evaluated these quarterbacks. I haven't watched them practice every rep. So he he may very well be. Deuce Wallace may replace Neal later in the season. And maybe we say he should have been the guy all along. But to be a fan, and to some extent even a reporter, what have we seen with our own eyes of Deuce Wallace that tells us he's the answer? Now, if your reply to that is, how could it be any worse, then I don't know what to tell you because, well, you're wrong. Uh, It could be a lot worse. You could go two hours to the east and find a quarterback situation that's, that's... in dire straits than Vanderbilt's is right now. You know, Riley Neal has, uh, you know, he's about middle of the pack in passing yards in the SEC. He's thrown four touchdowns to two interceptions. You know, a lot of his issues are kind of similar to Garantano um, in Knoxville, that his numbers are fine. He's just not taking advantage of opportunities. Now, Garantano was benched. You know, I I don't think Riley Neal's going to be benched. And uh, I don't think uh, the situation is as dire with Vanderbilt's offense that has shown that it can put some points up. I don't think it's as bad as what Tennessee is in right now. But, you know, Deuce Wallace, may, maybe he's the guy, and maybe he's the guy next year. I just There's no reason to, to think that based on what we've seen. He's thrown maybe 30, 35 passes in his career. He's completed about half of them. There's not a Deuce Wallace play or quarter or series that pops out into your mind and say, hey, he could, he could do that if he was the starter. Again, nothing against Deuce. Um, I just I, there's no evidence that he should be the guy. I think Riley Neal has been a a C plus quarterback, and they need him to be a B plus quarterback. And this offense is is a bolt. It will give you a a chance to get to a bowl game. Also, by the way, we'll talk about this on down the line. But who is Vandy's quarterback next year? I'm not convinced it's Deuce Wallace. He's been here four years. He was suspended last year, but he's 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 been here four years and hasn't won out the job. Now he's behind Shermer, but then they brought it in in an insurance policy with Riley Neal and he beat him out. I'm not convinced it's Deuce Wallace next year. Maybe it is, and you could do a lot worse than Deuce Wallace. But I, I tend to think Vandy's going to go out and uh, test out the transfer market again and and get bring in somebody else to uh, compete with Deuce. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see if he plays any more this year, and it'll be uh, easier to make, a, uh, to make a judgment on Deuce Wallace's future next year as the possible starter. The last topic, and I think this is an interesting one. Why does Vegas think that Derek Mason is meeting expectations each given week? Now, there's some numbers be- behind this, uh, and, and there's, a, uh, there's a foundation to this thought. You know, the I tweeted this the other night after the Northern Illinois game that the postgame press conference felt like a 14-point loss, not a six-point win, and that's really what it felt like, mostly because Vandy was up big early on and didn't really do a whole lot after that. So that was kind of the feeling. There was just 
mediocre to bad football for the last three quarters. But this is what got me thinking about this topic. Vandy won that game by six points, and everybody was disappointed in that. Do you know what the line on that game was? Depending on which which you look at, it was either Vandy by six and a half or I think betmgm.com, which is what we use at the Tennessean. Vandy was a seven-point favorite. So the difference in Vandy covering the spread of that game, what was predicted in Vegas, was that Northern Illinois went for two in the fourth quarter. That's the only difference. The expectations of that game is what Vandy met. Uh, So I think sometimes we look at games and say, wow, they were terrible today. They only won by six. Well, they were supposed to win by seven or by six and a half or or, or what have you. Um, So sometimes we can set expectations in our mind, but maybe that's not based as much on logic. I think Vegas is always based on logic because there's money involved. But here's where I'm going with this. If you look in the Tennessean this week, Tennessean.com, You'll see an analysis that I did, and I've done one of these before, but I, I, I refreshed it. Vanderbilt, well, Derek Mason, Derek Mason's tenure at Vanderbilt. He is 25 and 41. That's his record. Not very good, right? At Vandy, that's okay, but overall, that's, that's certainly not really good. With Vandy as a favorite, a heavy favorite, that is, 10 points or more, Vandy is 8 and 0. 8-0 when they're a 10-point favorite or more. They don't, they don't get upset when it's a line of 10 points or more. Vandy as a heavy underdog, also 10 points or more. More As a heavy underdog under Derek Mason, Vandy is 1-23. That one win was uh, at Georgia in Athens in uh, 2016. Vandy in toss-up games. Now, those are games where the line of the game is single digits. Okay, single digits favorite or single digits underdog. But we're basically basically looking at it, and if the point spread is single digits, that means if you play well, you got a chance to win. Those are what we're calling generally toss-up games. In toss-up games, Vanderbilt is 16 and 18 under Derek Mason. If you take out the two bowl games, regular season against comparable opponents, Derek Mason's teams are 16 and 16. They're a dead even 500. That means something this week because Vandy has been that, in that situation against Ole Miss, single digit spread the last three years. Vandy's two and one in those games against Ole Miss. Um, they are a, a seven and a half point underdog on the road on the road at Ole Miss this week. So there, there's a number of ways you can take that. Maybe Vandy should be more than a seven point favorite against Northern Illinois. You know, maybe. Vandy should be a favorite in some of these SEC games. Maybe Vandy shouldn't be a 21-point underdog to, to a ranked team. Uh, that, that's, that's reasonable. But on a given Saturday, and this is not Derek Mason apologist, this is, just, uh, this is just a practical, pragmatic look at this. If you look at it on game day of the regular season, the last six years, Derek Mason has won exactly half of the games that he'd, he had a chance to. To, to, to win or lose, okay? Undefeated in the games he's supposed to win, 1-23 in the games he's supposed to lose, and 16-16 16 and 16 in the games where it's kind of a coin flip at kickoff. Maybe the expectations at the beginning of the season should be better, but on a given Saturday, it's not, they haven't been really good or they haven't been really bad 
They've been at about 500 in, against comparable opponents. So that's just uh, that's just something to think about each week. And uh, and again, this is one of those games. I think that's also timely this season because Vandy's going to have more games like that. Tennessee will probably be a single-digit point spread. Kentucky at home for Vandy, I would say, would probably be a single-digit single digit point spread. Missouri, maybe not. And South Carolina, maybe, maybe not. We'll see. But anyway, that, that's something to think about as we move forward and see point spreads as the season goes along, because I think Vandy does have some games that they'll have a chance to win. And if they do, they're in a bowl. If they don't, then we're talking about uh, a pretty bad season and certainly a disappointing season. So that does it for uh, this episode of Breaking Down the Doors. But before we go, let me remind you, we hope you'll subscribe to Tennessean.com if you haven't already. And remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And drop us a review we like five stars and a rating while you're at it for the other guys that aren't here this week but will be uh, next week i'm adam sparks and we'll see you next time at jewelers mutual we're a little obsessed with jewelry obsessed like auctioneers with talking fast 50 we're gonna hit pop stars with auto tune and dentists with asking questions so, how did he propose? after they've put their hands in your mouth. Great. Yes, we've made jewelry our obsession for over 100 years. We love it so much we named our kids Ruby, Amber, and Opal. Venti soy latte for Opal? At Jewelers Mutual, we insure jewelry and only jewelry, which is why people who are also obsessed with jewelry trust us with theirs.